0: a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hello
1: there, it's Gina Gardner here, and I'm your host on Passionate World Radio. And as usual, I am joined by Rachel Davidson. Um, Both of us are international best-selling authors. Um, Rachel has written The Point of Me, My latest book is Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. Today we're going to talk about the theme of not making things all about you. So what do I mean by that? How often have you been in a situation where somebody has done something or failed to do something and you have interpreted that as a deliberate act of, Ignoring you, unkindness, wanting to um, get one over on you. When it's my belief that the reality is that most of the time, probably around 95% of the time, that person is simply getting on doing their stuff and you aren't actually part of the motive at all. Sadly, what you are is collateral damage and the reason for that is that you have interpreted that motive in a particular way. Now, of course, there are times when people are being deliberately difficult, but for the most part, people are getting on doing the very best they can in the situation um, that they're in. And this is true as true for your private life, your personal life, as it is for your professional life. And the danger if you start to interpret motive in that negative way. Those of you who've listened to the show will recognize me talking about the fact that 95% of what we do is habitual. And so what we will do is we'll go into a habitual pattern of behavior and language which can then create a situation where actually there wasn't one at all in the first place. So let me give you a couple of examples before we get into the general discussion. Um, uh, You're walking down the street and you see a friend, um, and the friend appears to ignore you. It's quite common for people to make the assumption that the other person has ignored them deliberately, when the reality is often that that person is just in their own head, thinking about what they've got to do, or what they're worried about, um, and the fact that they've not actually registered that you were there. And there was a very poignant uh, example of that recently when a client came in and had been talking about uh, friendships and her concern about friendships and uh, that people um, were not behaving in a way that she felt was friendly. And she had seen a friend in the high street and that friend had completely ignored her. And she had made meaning of that. We make up stories in our head. I suggested that perhaps you might like to phone the friend and say, I saw you in the high street but you didn't see me Um, and when I waved that you didn't see that either, are you all right? Indeed she did this and found that the the client's friend um, said, I'm really sorry, my dad's just died, I was on my way to the undertaker's and I'm afraid I was completely wrapped up in what I had to do, so I'm sorry. So there was a situation where um, that friendship could have been hugely jeopardised by making an assumption about motive. Let's give you a professional um, example. Um, Working with another client where he had interpreted a a member of staff's behaviour as being deliberately disruptive. Um, that that person was not doing what they were asked to do um, and they had again interpreted the motive as being a deliberate um, act of sabotage really. Again I suggested that he spoke to his member of staff but to do it in a very neutral way and just say I've noticed a pattern. Uh, The last two or three times I've asked you to do something you've done something completely different what's going on and that's a really good open question because there's no edge to it really important that you use a voice that's neutral that you don't actually make assumptions about the answer that you're very open to what the answer might be in this case once again that person had all sorts of things going on in their personal life and they were only listening with half an ear Mm. they thought that they were doing what was asked But the person who delegated that job to them had not actually checked in with them that what they'd asked that person to do had been understood and interpreted in the right way. Mm. Again, a huge opportunity for a relationship breakdown because it wasn't a deliberate act. And in fact, the the manager needed to take a big chunk of responsibility because they had not delegated effectively. And part of delegating effectively is to make sure that the other person understands what's required and yeah. why, yeah. Um, and checks in. And a very good way to do that is by asking the question. Yeah. So reflect back to me exactly what it is that that you think that I want yes. and why.
2: Yeah.
1: Keep it simple. It doesn't need to be no, complicated. No, no. So Rachel, your thoughts.
2: Well, I'm very glad that we're talking about this subject, really, because it's it's something that I have been saying to myself quite a lot um, recently about you know don't make it about yourself, Rachel, and and that's really about my son actually, and um, connected to to the breakdown of my marriage. Um, my son is essentially living with his father now, um, and that meant that on uh, Monday of this week, when my son um, had his induction day at secondary school, or uh, junior high I think is what the in America, Americans yes might, might refer to it as but, but the second level of education and two days of him going into this secondary school where his big sister is already so he could get used to to the environment ready for when he starts for real in September and he was staying over at his father's the night before so that meant that I drove with my daughter to the, to the school as usual to drop her off but they had they had to meet up so that um, my son had his big sister to walk into school with. So I, I pull up, and and my ex husband is there with with my son, and my son uh, says says a happy goodbye to his father, and and then uh, looks down at the pavement and walks past my car, meeting up with with his sister, and um, and. The thoughts that go through my head were, he's going to ignore me. He's annoyed with me. <laughs> what, what, why? What have I done now? <laughs> and it's all tied up with the bigger picture of where Arthur wants to to possibly live and all this sort of stuff. But in the moment, I I, I had enough sense to say to myself, like, don't make this about yourself. This is a stressful situation for for the eleven year old son, and he's probably just concentrating on making him, himself walk bravely into this big school and, and doesn't really want um, mum um, it sort of uh, getting in the way. And possibly even his, his emotions around me at the moment are, are such that um, he does really want me to be there but it's too hard. I'm more likely to make him cry than perhaps his dad will just by being there and, and giving him love. I suffer from that, uh, that syndrome of sympathy may, always makes me more tearful. Yes. And I think he might be the same. So, so in the moment, I, just, I was managed to able to control myself and say, have a good day, Arthur, at which point I did get a, a brief acknowledgement, but only that. And I drove away having a little struggle with myself around, well, what, why did he give his father a hug and, and he wouldn't give me, you know, and all this. And I just, in the end, I just thought, I cannot make this about myself. There are bigger things going on in his life than than um, you know my feelings. And as an eleven year old, the maturity and the capacity to to be able to accommodate other people's feelings when you yourself are dealing with a great deal of stress it is not there. So it's a slight mantra in my head of, don't make this about you, Rachel. This this you know just just be calm. it's very tough i mean i have to struggle with it i go back and forth in my head around it it's not easy just to sort of go oh it's not about me and and move on and people who can achieve that have done a great deal of work on themselves i think
1: i think that's very true i think it's quite important to say at this point it doesn't matter how old you are Mm -hmm. i think when we're dealing with emotions yeah, we all go exactly. through the full range of being a toddler, being a ten-year-old, being yes. a, a teenager. Yes. Even if you're in your, you know, forties, fifties, and sixties, there are days when it's difficult to raise your emotional
2: yeah. age, yeah.
1: your ma- emotional maturity beyond, um, you know, a very young, yeah. being a very young person. And I think, you know, the principle that we, everything that happens moment by moment, every moment of our day yeah we interpret yes and that it we make these stories up based on our beliefs so if your belief about yourself is secure you are less likely to interpret other people's actions as being deliberately hurtful
2: yeah
1: but again, we're not static, are we? No. There'll be days when you can move mountains and feel strong and you can manage anything. Mm. And equally, there are days when, you know, opening your eyes and cleaning your teeth seems to be <laughs> a big effort. Yeah. Yeah. And I think awareness is really important. So if you know it's a day where you're already on the back foot, that yeah. you're struggling, yeah. then it becomes ever more important to... Um, Allow yourself the space to reinterpret things, Mm. particularly before you make a reaction, um, whether that's uh, body language, voice, or, um, you know, actually saying something. Because it's then that you are more likely to go into your habitual way of being. And moreover, the more I think about it, the more likely you are to go into younger patterns of habitual being. So your emotional age, you could be 53, Mm. but if you're having a really bad day and somebody catches you on that day, you're more likely to behave like a toddler and have a tantrum. Yeah,
2: Yeah, regression is real, isn't it? It is. (laughs)
1: Um, And I think the more aware you are of that, not only for yourself, Mm. but if other people are responding in a particular way, Mm. that actually to recognise that they're having a toddler day or a teenager day. Yeah. Yeah. Now that doesn't excuse it, no. But the trouble is, if you meet toddler with toddler or teenager with teenager, yes, you end up with trouble.
2: Yes, and often actually, being able to name it, even if it's just within your own head, um, sort of takes a, takes away takes the uh, the pressure. The sting as well, it, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yes, the steam comes out, and and you can sort of go, oh, oh, okay, yes, I, I am. I'm having a, um, I I've time traveled back. That's yes. <laughs> to my toddler moments oh, yes okay and then and then that you've given yourself space haven't you to sort of say oh, i have choices i can i can act in a different way
1: and i think that's the crux of it is that once you have awareness you yeah. do have choices yes most people are oblivious they are walking around and they're into their 95% of habitual behaviors yeah. and responses yeah which means that they do not have choice yeah and you know, one those of you that have listened to our our chats will recognise the principle that you are responsible for everything you say and do, how and when you say it, whether you say or do anything at all. Mm. And once you take that on board, yeah, um, and you match that with an awareness, yeah, then the world opens up and you have so much more power.
2: It's very interesting. Isn't it? I wonder how many listeners are hearing us talk about, you know, don't make it all about you. And interpreting that as in, don't be responsible. Because, of course, in order to not make it about you, it's all about you have you. to have done the work on you.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so you
2: have to make it about you. It's <laughs> the
1: paradox. It's yeah. the all about you taking responsibility and knowing that you have a choice. Yes. The power of knowing that in any given moment, yes. you have the power to choose, Yeah. actually can revolutionise your whole life if you believe you have no choice you Mm. have no choice yeah it comes back down to those fundamental beliefs about yourself and life and how you cope and whether you deserve yes and what your expectation is yes from others so if you um, i'm thinking about this now in the professional context yeah um those of you that are new to the show perhaps don't know but i ran an award-winning school for over 20 years And I was often asked, and I I was asked by the government and by um, other organisations to go and do leadership work, what is it that makes the difference? Mm. And for me, the biggest difference is, as a leader, is to recognise that that you have the power in any given moment Mm. to choose how you're going to deal with any given Mm. situation. Mm. Now, does that mean that you feel resourced enough to do it? Every moment, every every day, the chances no. are probably not. No, no. But actually, the more aware you are and more in control you are of your emotional state, yes, the greater your power. Yes. So when things happen, it's very common for two very polarized behaviors. Yeah. One pattern of behavior is something goes wrong. You don't want confrontation. Yeah. So you don't confront the issue. Yes. And I'll come back to the distinction between those two in a moment. Yes. So things build up. And this is true of personal life as well. Yeah. So there's a behaviour or lack of it that you don't like. Uh You ignore it because you don't want to deal with it. Yep. So it happens again. Yep. And again.
2: Yeah. I recognise this pattern.
1: And again. (laughs) We all do. We all have (laughs) parts of our life when we do it. I think that's... An Interesting digression, but a point to make that you know, we are we generally are not consistent in different areas of our life with different yes, people. Yes, yes. Um, we can be get become more consistent, yes, but we will all have our Achilles heel, yes. And yes. for some people, they've got Achilles heel, yeah. um, you know, in abundance, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> um, but they ignore and they ignore and they ignore and then something happens and it triggers an explosion. Mm. Yeah. The person who's been exhibiting the behaviour that has been the catalyst for this yeah. hasn't got a clue. <laughs> sure. So when there's the explosion, yeah. they go, what? What have I done? Yeah.
2: Oh my God, how, how much of an overreaction was that? All I did was...
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when what the, the, uh, the person has reacted to is reacting to time uh, after time after time after time. yes. After time. yes. A far better approach is to deal with it as it happens. Now, not necessarily in the moment, because if it's triggered something in you, it's far better to deal with that trigger before you actually deal with the situation. But you can always acknowledge it by saying, look, that's not acceptable, or I need to talk to you about that that behaviour, but I need to get myself together first. Mm. Um, And do that... Uh, at a time when you have got yourself together but the voice I'm using the neutral voice is incredibly important mm-hmm. there's a huge difference to look I'd like to talk to you about x y or z yeah but do you know I'm a bit irritated at the moment I want to get myself together before we have that conversation yeah. so I don't overreact yeah it's very different to that's not expe- acceptable I need to get myself together before I talk to yeah. you Um, Uh, yeah Yeah. um you know you it's the just you wait till your father gets home (laughs) syndrome isn't it Um, and i would say that's really counterproductive Mm. the other pattern that that, um that goes on is when people are it's almost the opposite that they're triggered every time yeah so something happens and there's an overreaction to that yeah because it's not that situation i would suggest mm. that's the problem mm. that's triggered old stuff either by the same person mm. but often it's triggered old stuff that's nothing to do with that person yes yeah. and the most common trigger i have found is tone of voice right yeah so people will use a tone of voice that nags whines that um reminds them of their uh, the, the the parent that they didn't get on with or the teacher they didn't get on with yeah. um and it can trigger a sense of not being worthy, not being good enough, yeah. being picked on, yeah. unfairness. Mm. And it has a disproportionate impact on mm. the listener. Mm. And I think, again, if you're aware, you are more likely to pick up that it's not the person mm. who is in front of you in any given moment that's created the problem,
2: Yeah, but yeah.
1: actually stuff that's Yes. that needs dealing with from much further back. Yes.
2: Uh, I, I had a, 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 an example in my family um, fairly recently um, where um, I had caused to be, once again, disappointed with how my mother, who, who is 70, had behaved. And, um, uh, and it's a slight triangle between um, my mother, my daughter and me. And, um, and it had gone on for months and months and months and months and then there was a particular incident that was sort of the straw that broke my camel's back and, um, and what triggered me from, from being, trying to be polite, trying to get my point across but it never really hitting the spot, she's never really getting what, she's just interpreting my attempts to educate and move her as, as being snippy and they probably were okay because I probably wasn't using the right language or, or a tone probably because I'm getting more and more wound up and het up. But you know I hate conflict, so I'm doing the well you know I'll just I'll just ignore my feelings and this, and and then this incident happened and she actually walked towards me not with a tone of voice but with a tone of face, <laughs> <laughs> and her face was, was was the trigger point because I couldn't stand the look on her face. It was. It spoke to me of of judgment and disappointment in me, and um, complete, therefore, um, denial of my point of view, and um, none of which she probably intended to do, <laughs> because she was probably full of I can't I can't believe why my daughter is speaking to me like this. I can't believe uh, I don't understand what I've done wrong. I'm just trying my best. Yeah. Um, and in the meeting of this, this face, she met a face on, my, uh, on mine and, and I, I, I did, I blew up and, um, and I screeched and there was no neutral voice um, going on. And um, it was only because I have a, a wonderful partner who, who stepped in and used neutral voice and calming and he has fantastic energy, really, that, that the whole thing didn't just sort of end with a load of um, soap opera type screaming. That he was able to sort of get my point of view across gently, because I was incapable of it. Yes. Because I had totally regressed to toddler slamming doors uh, and stomping around, smashing stuff. Not literally. stuff. but I did slam doors. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mean, so subsequent to that, there, there is a, a, a sort of a, a slight neutral truce going on, um, and I'm I'm pretty certain that um, that the explosion wasn't a bad thing if we can sort of i mean you know what's good and what's bad in these situations anyway it's very very sort of subtle and i don't feel great that i shouted at my mother like that i wish i had found the strength actually to much much earlier to have a a more Mm. assertive please don't do these things mum because this is what i'm trying to achieve and you're completely countermanding it um, and making my life difficult if I'd been able to say something like that to her way back then I wouldn't have felt the need to get yeah. so angry
1: I think that's a really good example of you let it go you let it go you let it go you let it go and it gets to a point yeah. where you can't let it go anymore yeah. and I think it's really important that listeners do not take from this that I am suggesting that you have to swallow everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because
1: that's really important. I'm saying quite the opposite really. Mm. I'm saying deal with it. Mm. But deal with it early on yeah. and deal with it in a way that's not confrontational. Yeah. But there's a difference between being confrontational and dealing with things in a, a, a positively but assertive way. Yes. And it, there the difference between The minute you go into confrontation, Mm. you lose the moral high ground. Yes. So it's much easier (laughs) for the other person to wriggle and say, how dare they talk to me like that?
2: (laughs) I'm laughing because I so totally took myself off that high ground and ran (laughs) to the lowest valley I could (laughs) so that I could screech my my pain at her. Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, And particularly if you're a manager of people, if you lose the moral high ground
2: yeah
1: then it's very difficult to regret to regain that yes yeah
2: um
1: and i would say within a family you are a manager you're a leader within your own family you are the spiritual matriarch if you like if Mm, you're a woman or this the spiritual patriarch of the family yeah that when you are able to manage to stay in a, a very neutral position they can't wriggle off the hook. Yeah. But it's so easy for people to wriggle off the hook if they are then able to get aggrieved at the way in which you have delivered. Yes. And so, in fact, I'm saying the very opposite of letting people off the hook. I don't believe in letting people off the hook. No, I think you need to set your expectations and set them high, yeah. explicit yeah. and shared yeah. because it's no good you having... High expectations and not letting the other person know yeah. and agree and if they don't match up then on the first occasion yeah. you let them know yeah. and I'll give you an example of how this manifests itself in my school it for me it used to start right from the advert right so the advert would be very clear about the sort of person I was looking for okay yeah and then when people arrived um, at the interview I would start by saying This is a two-way process. It's Mm. really important that you're comfortable to come here Mm. if you're appointed, Mm. as it is for us to have you. Yeah. So let me be very clear. If you're not a good team member, if you don't want to work hard, if you are not somebody who likes to share expertise, don't come here. Yeah. We don't do moods, so don't come here if you're moody. (laughs) Don't come here if you don't like children. Yeah. What we want are people who are great team members, who want to learn, who want to contribute, mm. who manage their emotional state well, mm. and who are really committed to moving every child in their class and the school as a whole forward. Yes. Now, you can say what you like. Yeah. But it's not in the saying where the power comes. Right. But the first time somebody behaved in a way that was not good team membership. Yeah. Or the first time somebody came in on a Monday morning having had a heavy weekend and was a bit bad tempered. Yeah. I would take them very quietly to one side and say, Do you remember that conversation we had? Yeah. Um we don't do that. Yeah. So leave your mood Under the pillow with your pyjamas.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because your message is not that you want these people to be perfect all of the time. It's just that you want to set up a framework so that when um, mistakes happen, when weaknesses occur, it's a quick resolution back to being on point, on message. Um, It's an easy reminder. Whereas no framework set up, no understanding, no sort of, you know, this, this is how we work. It's hard, isn't it, to bring people back to where you want them? Because, well, because
1: they don't know where that is. Exactly, they're
2: just wandering around thinking, well, what? what why is my behaviour so wrong? I don't understand.
1: In a sense, it's like having a biofeedback machine mm. yeah. where you get an instant response to something you've done physically. Yes. If you have a, a biofeedback system going on mm. where it's information almost immediate, I mean, by immediate, I don't mean necessarily in that second mm. but people get quick feedback i i liken it to to house training puppies yes if yeah. they've made a puddle on the floor it's no good telling them an hour later no they need to know yes to relate the behavior yes. to the, the the comments yes and i think if you're those managers and leaders who do best yes. or when they're clear about what they want they have a clear vision. High expectations, which are absolutely shared. And then when people do well, they get lots of praise and recognition so people know that's what's wanted. But equally, they know when they're not doing it as required
2: um,
1: and why that's important.
2: It's a great example, isn't it, puppy training? Because you, you basically have to be really aware in order to be able to catch them in the moment. Absolutely. And to provide the positive affirmation of good behaviour versus a, a, a correction when, when they're doing it in the house. And you say, no, no, no. <laughs> don't and do it in the house.
1: For me, it's a perfect analogy because those puppies are not deliberately trying to upset you. No. <laughs> they're
2: just following the call of nature. <laughs> they're doing
1: what they do yeah. because they don't know any better. Yes. And I think that's... Um, you know, when you're talking about other people, we do what we do. Most of us are actually going through life without truly thinking about what we're doing. It, they're mm. an automatic pilot. Yeah. And you know, it makes it very difficult then for, for people who are on automatic pilot to recognise that their behaviours are having an impact on other people, yes. as indeed they are in every second of every day, even yes. if people aren't present. Yes, Everything we do, every choice we make, has the capacity to impact on our other people, yeah. or certainly ourselves, other people, yeah. the environment. Yeah. And I think what I would say to, you, you know, to our listeners is take this opportunity to become more aware mm-hmm. and to recognise that people generally are doing the best they can yeah. and rather than assume the worst motive because perhaps you're feeling yeah um not great yeah um
2: be be generous and assume the best motive
1: unless people come and actually say i don't want anything to do with you anymore i reject (laughs) you yeah to assume that actually they're just wrapped up in their own stuff yes now if a pattern occurs then you you tackle it and say do you know i've noticed that the last few times that i've seen you there's, something's not been right. Mm. Can we talk about it? Mm. Yes. Rather than getting upset and then making assumptions and then behaving yeah. in a particular way. yes yeah. So that brings us pretty much to the end of our show today. I hope you found it um, interesting and helpful. We'd love to know what you think. Please let us know through the website uh, genuinely-you.com or through the radio show. We'd also love to know if there are themes that you'd like us to cover. We'd be very happy to do that. Yeah. Um, Take care and I'm saying cheerio from Rachel Davidson and from Gina Gardner, your host on Passionate World Radio. Don't forget our books are available on Amazon. That's um, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness and Success. You can also get a free digital download from the website and you'll find Rachel's The Point of Me on Amazon. So it's Gina Gardner from Passionate World Radio, your host today, saying cheerio.
0: You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work spanning over 30 years of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-you.com today to find out more.